Well, I want to thank you for being here this morning. Uh, we are going to uh, look at uh, the life and what we can learn from the experience of one blind man. Uh, when we met on, on uh, Monday night to, to plan our teaching uh, series over the next uh, few weeks, uh, we felt like we didn't have time to really start it this week, so um, I was in line to speak last week, but Clint came and took the Monday's, or the uh, uh, Mother's Day lesson for us, and so uh, that pushed me to this week, and I thought, okay, let's do something that's a little bit different, and um, so on Monday night, the guys asked me, well, what are you going to speak on? I said, I, I got no idea. So on Wednesday at Bible study, we went over Mark chapter 10. In the last few verses of Mark chapter 10, we ran into this guy that's called Blind Bartimaeus. And uh, I had never really, I read that story, of course, but I never really thought that much or that deeply about it. But there's some great Christian lessons that I think that we can glean from looking at this passage in the story of Blind Bartimaeus. And so... Uh, with, uh, we'll endeavor to do that. Uh, well, just kind of giving you some context at the time, Jesus had been preaching in the area of Galilee, and he was traveling back down toward Jerusalem. Uh, this was toward the end of his life. And actually, they, at one point, uh, Jesus was on the road and, and headed, was leading the, the apostles and all the disciples back to Jerusalem, and they'd had a tough experience there before. And it says that they were amazed, and they feared. They were afraid, because they had had a difficult experience in Jerusalem before, and they thought, why are we going back here again? But Jesus, of course, had a plan, and that plan had to, to, be, to unfold. And so we see he had come from the area of Nazareth, or the area of Galilee, down to uh, Jericho, and this passage, he's going to be entering Jericho and then leaving Jericho. And it's on this road to Jerusalem that he runs into this blind beggar. So it says, Now they came to Jericho and went out of Jericho. And I have no idea how long they were there. But they did so with the disciples and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus. Okay, I want to pause there and focus on that word blind. I want you to think about uh, what it would be like, even in today's world, to be blind. You know, there's many people that are blind, and, and they live successful lives in some cases. But th we can't doubt that that would be a tremendous disability to overcome. And can you imagine if you had, had to deal with that all of your life? Uh, there's some indication that that was the case for Bartimaeus. Uh, the, the name Bartimaeus actually means son of Timaeus. Okay, that doesn't tell us a whole lot. But Timaeus, according to some accounts, means blind father. And so if that were the case, not only was Bartimaeus blind, but his father was blind. And so you think about the condition of someone in the time of Jesus who was blind. How would they provide for themselves? The answer we find is in the very next uh, sentence. What did he do? He sat by the road and he was begging. His life, his, his survival was predicated on, on the generosity of other people. See, because at that time, if your family couldn't take care of you, 
You had no other choice but to beg. And so this was the plight of this man. So I want you to think about um, what, would, what would his uh, condition, what was his mental condition? What do you think his level of, of self-esteem and pride was? Can you imagine if every day you had to get up in the morning and think, how am I going to survive today? And I can't survive on my own. I can't provide for myself. I'm going to have to go beg and get from someone else. And that was, that was your existence. So your pride would be pretty low. So he's a beggar. And when he heard that it was Jesus, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, and I want you to focus on that. He's, he, so he recognizes this is his chance. I've been blind and I can't provide for myself. But this guy can do something about it. And he wasn't going to be shut up about that. He was going to cry out. And so he cried out and he said, Jesus, son of David. Okay, so he recognizes he may have been blind. But he wasn't spiritually blind because he knew that this man, he had heard the stories of this man. He'd probably heard the prophecies that there was going to be a guy that was going to come and was going to restore Israel, was going to be a king. And he recognizes, and, he, and this is tantamount to saying he was the son of God. It was tantamount to saying that this is the promised Messiah. And he recognized that. And so he says, have mercy on me. He had relied on the mercy of others his whole life. But he knew that this guy could provide a mercy that was once and for all and could fix his situation. And many warned him to be quiet. You know, it just didn't meet the social convic convictions of the time that this guy would keep interrupting and yelling out. You were supposed to sit by and, and beg quietly, but not make all this racket. But what did he do? He cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling on you. This is your chance. Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, is asking you, a blind man, a beggar, the lowest of the lows, to come to him. And how did he respond? And throwing aside his garment, he rose and he came to Jesus. That there was, um, in, in that era, it was customary for you to have kind of an inner garment that was made out of linen. And then a coat or a tunic that you wore over that that was, that was heavy. And when men typically worked, what they did is, well, they would take that coat off because it, it, was, it bundled them. It, it bound them in a way that that restricted their movement. Bartimaeus was not going to have any part of that. And so the, even though he was blind, he was throwing off his coat because he wasn't worried about getting it again. He was only worried about going to Jesus. So he was throwing off this coat and going to the person that he believed uh, could help his condition. So Jesus answered and said unto him, 
what do you want me to do for you? Now, that's kind of an odd question, isn't it? Knowing his condition. He's blind. But yet, I'm guessing that Jesus asked this question perhaps for the benefit of those that were witnesses there. Those that would have been witness to this and may not have known Bartimaeus' situation. And so he has Bartimaeus say, what, what do you want me to do? And so Bartimaeus, who again is not a proud man at all, he says, he says, Rabbi, that is teacher, he says, that I may have my sight. That's a pretty obvious request for someone that's, that's been a blind beggar for all or most of his life. And Jesus said unto him, go your way, your faith has made you well. I want you to think about that too. You know, Jesus healed a lot of people. And sometimes those healings were conditional, that, that he would have them do other things. You remember the, the, the leper, Naaman, that came to him. And when Naaman came to him, he told him, he said, you, you go to the river Jordan and you, you dip yourself seven times. Well, that was something that Naaman had to do as a manifestation of his faith. But what about Bartimaeus? He would already proven his faith. There was no doubt that this man believed that Jesus could heal. So he says, Jesus says to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And here was this statement, and Zach brought it up at Bible study on Wednesday night, but here was the statement that intrigued me the most. What follows is he said, he immediately received his sight, and he followed Jesus on the road. He got what he wanted. He was healed. But think about this man. This man had lived a life that, as a beggar. What's he going to go back to? He's really got nothing. Apparently, his family couldn't take care of him. So he's on this road begging. Where's he going to go? Now, Jesus says, you're healed. Go your way. But instead of going his way, what did he do? He followed Jesus on the road. Well, we know that Jesus didn't just come to heal the blind physically. We know that there's a, there's a spiritual blindness that existed in Israel that Jesus was there to take care of first and foremost. And this passage is just an example of that in uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And he says, Having there, and that is the Gentiles, understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. Jesus went out and taught. And this was also true of the children of Israel at the time. There was a spiritual blindness that existed there that Jesus was first and foremost there to combat. So he came to, to fight this spiritual blindness. I want you to just think about that. In the Old Testament, we have God's will that is shown to us in these stories. So you'll have a story about an individual, and that individual will, um, and we're supposed to then, but you really didn't, in the moment, you wouldn't know how that applied. I mean, you just, you would hear, God would call somebody to do a certain thing, but it wasn't necessarily clear to other people what to do. 
based on that. And, and he also taught in shadows. In shadows were things like uh, uh, the tabernacle was built as a shadow of Christ. And if you study that, you see all these things that are representative of Christ. But if you had gone to the tabernacle, you wouldn't know that because you, hadn't, you didn't get to see the end of the story. So another way of saying that is the Old Testament, in a sense, was God's will partially revealed or in some cases concealed from man. Whereas in the New Testament, it's God's will that is revealed to man. Jesus Christ was the truth. You know, you hear him say, I am the way, the truth, the life. You know what that means? The truth means he is the fulfillment of all of those shadows and stories that were part of the Old Testament. And so we see that God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person, there was a blindness that existed in Israel that God, that, that God sent Jesus to eradicate. So, what do we take away from this story about blind Bartimaeus? First of all, we're the beggar. We are that person that has no hope. That outside of Jesus Christ, we are just like Bartimaeus. We can't provide for ourselves. We have no way forward. And I think because we can survive here on our own, at least temporarily, Sometimes we don't have the same attitude that Bartimaeus had. See, Bartimaeus was humble. Bartimaeus did not have a problem with pride. You know, when people called him down and said, Stop crying out. Be quiet. Keep your place. That's not what we do here. His pride and his social standing in that community was not something he was worried about. He was worried about doing what he could do to make himself right. And so we have to have that same type of approach to understand that we are that blind beggar that can't fix ourselves, and that it took the blood of Jesus Christ to make that right. We know that the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. That that is very true. And the next thing we need to learn is throw off all distractions. You know, when Bartimaeus, when he was called, he didn't let anything get in his way. He took that coat that might restrict him and might cause him to fall. or He threw it off. Because what good with it was it? He needed to get to Jesus. And we do too. So we have to throw off distractions. You know... Um, the Hebrew writer puts it this way. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily ensnare us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Laying aside the restrictions, laying aside the things that would prevent us from running that race. You know, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 addressed it in a similar way. And he talks about uh, that he brought his body under subjection, 
lest that he could be a castaway, even after he preached to others. That, that he trained and he, he compared himself to that of an athlete that would, that would uh, avoid things that would interfere with his being successful and running a successful race. And for those of us that have been athletes or have, have had athletes in our family, you understand that there's a measure of training if you're going to be successful that you have to do. And there's really two components to that. One of the things I'm willing to give up and one of the things that I have to do. And both of them are important, you see. And so Bartimaeus casting off this, this tunic and getting it out of his way was symbolic of that. And then to follow Jesus Christ as closely as we can. You know, I've got... I found several pictures through the internet that showed a shepherd with a sheep, and sometimes the, sh the sheep are scattered all over the place. But I like this one because it shows those sheep right there. They're right there. And, you know, we might, we might think of our own lives and look at how, we, how closely are we following Jesus. Is he, is he down the road where we can, we can still see him, but... You know, it's pretty far down there, and we've got several things between us and him. Uh, years ago, uh, before cell phones, uh, we had a couple of, Connie and I were living in Crosbyton, and we were traveling uh, to Austin, I think for the state tournament or something, and, and my assistant coach was going with me, and, uh, well, actually, they were going in a different car, but the, we had enough people, there were two cars, and we actually got separated so that we couldn't, we lost each other, and so they ended up taking one route there, and we took another route there, and we had to meet the way down the road, and uh, it was a mess, because one of us had lost connection with the other, and we had no way of getting back. So it, it took, we probably wasted a couple of hours getting that back together. And I just think that that's, that's a tendency that we have is, yeah, I can still, still Jesus. He's close, but he's not real close. And so I've got the things that I've got to do, and, and I'm not going to let this stand in my way. And you think about all the guys that Jesus called. Think about Abraham. He told him, he appeared to him and told him to leave and go to a country he'd never seen. What did Abraham do? He followed him. Noah, build this ark. It's going to take you over 100 years. It's never rained, but never mind that. Do what I'm telling you to do. You think that was an inconvenience? That was an inconvenience. Moses, Moses was living out of Egypt. God called him back, and reluctantly, he went back, and he led the people. Think about the apostles when... When Jesus came to call them, what did they do? They dropped their lives and they went and followed. The Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. When he was struck right there, what did he do? He stopped what he was doing, killing Christians, and he became a strong advocate. A powerful voice in the kingdom of God. So when he calls us, and he's called us, we should follow, and we should follow Him closely. Here's a passage 
that I find interesting in the book, in the Gospel of John. You know, some of you may, may or may not know, but I grew up a Baptist. And uh, the Baptists actually used this passage uh, to suggest that uh, once you're saved, you're always saved. And I grew up believing that, and I began to look at it, and I've come to the conclusion that that's not correct. Uh, but this is the passage that they use. And, that, and it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. It's absolutely true that no one, no one can separate us from salvation. But I want you to notice, what does it say right here about the sheep? They do like those sheep. They follow him. So, if you're his sheep, what are you doing? You're following him. If you stop following him, then you're not his sheep any longer. Well, one other thing that I found interesting in this story is that uh, while Bartimaeus was physically blind and completely destitute, he was not spiritually blind. And while Israel was physically aware, there was a spiritual uh, blindness that existed in them. And I would even say of the apostles themselves. This story happens right after two particular incidents. One of them... They said, Lord, who will be the greatest in the kingdom? And he told them, well, the one that will be the servant. You make yourself the least, and that will make you the greatest. Scratching your head on that one, they don't understand that. So a little bit later, two of them come to him. James and John said, hey, grant us a favor. And he doesn't ask, <laughs> initially he doesn't ask, doesn't say what he wants. He says, Lord, will you grant us a favor? Hoping that he'll say yes, and then they can... They can call the favor. But, so he says, we want to sit on your right and left hand. Jesus explains to him, that is even mine to determine. But so you can see that there was, even amongst those that were following him, there was a great spiritual blindness. But not so Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus knew, knew he was, who he was dealing with. One other interesting thing, and we'll close this morning, is that Uh, the account in Matthew records two blind men. Same story, but two blind men. In the book of Luke, it's one blind man. And in Mark, he records the name Bartimaeus. Now, I think that's interesting. If you look at all of the healings, usually it's just a man. Very, very rarely is a person mentioned. And in the cases where it is a person's name, it's someone who would be known. Like there was a, a Jairus' daughter that was healed. Okay, well, Jairus was one of the leaders in the synagogue. So he would have been known uh, by, by people. And so that would have been more uh, public, I suppose. And then Peter, Peter's wife's mother was healed. So again, that name would come up because of that. But what about this guy? Why would his name be mentioned? Well, we can't know for sure. But one thing that I would suppose is that Mark knew Bartimaeus. Not from this account so much, but probably from his service in the kingdom some years later. Again, I have no evidence that that's the case.
except why is his name mentioned here? We don't find other names mentioned in this way. Bartimaeus, my best guess, was a follower of the Lord, not just to Jerusalem, but after his death, after his resurrection, in the church, and probably was a very, very effective member. And if so, doesn't, doesn't he make a perfect type for what you and I should be? One that humbly comes to the cross, acknowledges our weakness and inability to make ourselves right, relies on the Lord to do that, and then faithfully follows Him for the rest of our lives. This morning, if I can help you in any way, if the church can have prayers on your behalf, uh, if we can assist you in any way, then we would just ask you to come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.